Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAs. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming your weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about RHA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey guys welcome back to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast i have special guests today here to tell her recovery story this is thea (laughs) but did i do that one right i mean yeah yeah we've got long story short we've gone all this time with me not learning her nickname but that's okay 
She's here today based in London, but from Portugal. Um, we worked together for a while. She had recovered, you know, on, like quite a while before we had actually met and has had her own journey of like in and out and recovered and then lost her period again. And just like so many um, little challenges along the way, which I feel like is a great representation of a lot of people's journeys. It's not always just like from A to B overnight. So I asked if she would come on and share her story. So I'm excited to have her here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dani. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. I feel this is also kind of a full circle journey because I discovered the AJ Society through your podcasts. So it's really interesting that now awesome. I'm here telling my story. Um, mm. So yeah, just a quick overview on everything and how uh, I got here. So, um, well, my story started basically as being a perfectionist. And I think a lot of people who have uh, HA um, really feel this about themselves as well. So Growing up, I've always wanted to succeed in everything. Uh, so I was, I was always like a good student, uh, things like that. So there was a point in my life where I thought, why not trying to be uh, the perfect person when it comes to my body, exercise, food, things like that. I was also never a really sports person, but then in my mid-20s, I started focusing a lot on that and on food and I would listen to all the possible health podcasts and I was obsessed with that, with getting like the perfect clean eating. Um, I was mostly vegan for a while, so I reduced a lot animal protein, but also food quantities overall. Um, and I would train a lot and focus everything on exercise I would always train fasted, so it would be the first thing that I would do in the morning, um, both strength training, but like running as well, like long runs, like 12 kilometers fasted in the morning. But I think what happened was that I was on the pill during this whole time, so this really masked uh, the amenorrhea that I was probably going through at that point. So it was a challenge because I can never pinpoint a moment from where I've started HA because I was on the pill. So I was having an induced bleeding and I didn't notice. Mm -hmm. So during this time I've had, I remember having friends and family, mostly family warning me saying that I was way too skinny um that i wasn't eating in a healthy way that my obsession with exercise wasn't okay but i would always feel like they are uh exaggerating um on top of everything i can control everything i'm feeling really good about myself and about my body um but then covid came and i think things just really ramped up there because during COVID, we were all locked at home. So I felt like I couldn't control um, anything around me. I think we all feel this. So felt this. So we had to stay at home. We couldn't control what was happening in our jobs. Um, it, we couldn't control the type of relationship with our friends and family. We couldn't see them. So the one thing that I could control was 
my exercise and my food. So I became obsessed uh, with that. And everything would revolve around my training time and my food times. Um, so that would limit my relationship with my friends, the places we would go out for dinner or for food, because I was always thinking about, will there be options for me? Um, if I eat too much because I'm going out for dinner with friends, how am I going to compensate tomorrow in terms of exercise and restricting my breakfast because I ate too much the night before? So I yeah. had all these classic. thoughts. Yeah, classic one. And then another thing that I would do a lot is I would binge um, because I was, I didn't realize it at the time, but because I was starving myself so much, sometimes at a weekend or something, I would just binge like a crazy person, mostly on sweets, and I would just eat so much. But then, of course, I would feel guilty about it. And then I would try to compensate the days after restricting myself so yeah I had I went down all this rabbit hole but then I continued listening to my health podcasts um, and they also helped me in this way because I was listening to people telling their stories about HA and I didn't know it existed but then people were telling their symptoms and they were telling uh, oh, I had this percentage of body fat when I got HA and this was my weight and these were my symptoms. And I was listening to all that and I was thinking, oh my God, I have this. I was like, yeah, check. I have really, really low body fat percentage for like a woman my age, check. I have trouble sleeping, check. I have an obsession with foods, check. I have a lot of anxiety and sometimes I have like the heart beating really fast and like panic kind of mini panic attacks yes mm. and then they also talked about the social part of it so feeling like um it restricts the way you are with friends and family because you're always obsessing about the food and the exercise and everything revolving around that and I was like, big check. So then I decided to quit the pill and uh, try to see if I had a period, uh, which obviously I didn't. Uh, so after a while, I went to uh, a gynecologist. Um, they ignored the problem. They just said, you were on the pill for so long. You're just going to have to wait and eventually a period will come up. Yeah. Um. So I continue reading about HA. I continue talking to doctors and trying to explain that I thought I had it until eventually I found uh, another doctor, uh, did a bunch of tests and I was officially diagnosed with HA. And that doctor told me to uh, eat uh, much more than I was eating at the time stop all exercise mm. and she recommended me a book as well called no period now what which i read in tears basically the whole time <laughs> it was a really tough uh thing to read and How to learn rare it feels rare to find a doctor like that yeah 
Yeah. Mm. I was really surprised. Yeah. And really happy with her. Yeah. She was, um, she was really good and she was kind of, a, she was a doctor and endocrinologist, but I feel she was kind of, um, like a mental health supporter for me as well because she really listened mm. and I would just like burst. I was in such a fragile state that I would just burst into tears, like in every yeah. appointment. And then I would be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she was like, no, it's fine. Um, yeah. Then alone following the doctor recommendations, I decided to, uh, start putting into practice and it was very, very hard. Um, it was hard eating a lot, even when I didn't feel like it. It was hard cutting exercise, uh, yeah, from day to night, um, and seeing the body changing. Um, it had its ups and downs. So, it was good when I was feeling like some positive signs. So, for example, I had like a burst of acne, probably because of my hormones increasing. I was having like a lot of mood swings. So I was happy seeing these signs. It meant that things were working. But then when it comes to the relationship with my body, it was being very difficult because I was seeing my body changing so much. And I was used to being like very small, very skinny. And then there was a, a point where no, nothing would fit me, none of my clothes. Um, I was seeing my body changing so much in the mirror and I think I went to a period I don't know if other people do this but I felt like I had a period of grief where I kind of had to grieve for the person that I was before yeah that's big say more yeah. on that because that's huge yeah. people don't talk about it enough yeah exactly yeah I, it took me a while to understand because at first I was getting kind of, sometimes I would be really depressed and really sad that this was happening. I was losing my ideal body. Um, I was not as skinny as I would like. And I thought that I was um, sad and crying because of that. But then eventually I understood that it was because I was grieving the person that I was and that I wasn't mm -hmm. anymore. So I was seen as the from my friends and family I was seen as the one who would always eat healthy who would always exercise a lot and run a lot and then I had to realize that I can be me without those things I made them such a huge part of my identity that then when I had to cut these off I had to grieve because I was like, who am I now? Who am I without doing exercise five or six times a week? Who am I without my tiny portions and very clean food? So yeah, yeah that was really tough. I love what you said there, uh, that I can be me without those things, right? That's huge like and, and some people are listening and they're it's not computing you know they're just like no I am those things and um this question has come up a few times in recent community calls and it's a question Ashley's been asking is like 
if when you are alone, like in nature, where no one else is around, you know, who are you? You know, like what is your, it's a hard question to ask, but it, or to answer, but it really helps. Uh, it just like helps you take yourself out of all of these external things that you've been yeah. so heavily applying to yourself and realize that you, you know, and I, I, I feel like I'm resonating with that right now too, as I navigate through things that like, I have more health challenges now, like literally I have elbow tendonitis. That's like stopping me from doing things with my mm-hmm. right arm. You know, for example, this is a small example. And I catch myself being very like frustrated. Like, what do you mean? I can't just like play pickleball right now. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I can't, uh, you know, work on, like, I like to build things and do DIY and stuff. Right. And I'm like frustrated that those things are being taken away from me with this injury. But I'm like, no, you know, there is more to you and more you can do without these things and it's okay that you just have to wait yeah um like I feel like this comes up in all these different areas of our life and this is one of the first times that many women have been faced with like no <laughs> the the word no like you can't like if and if we say no to you who are like what are you going to do and a lot of people will drag their put their heels in the ground dig their heels into the ground and be like not budging I'm not budging from this identity. And then there's people like you and me and those listening who are able to be like, okay, well now what? So I'm curious, like, how did you, you know, I know you had a lot of conversations and like cried to your doctor and all that stuff, but I mean, well, who are you now? Like, what does life look like? And if you're getting to that later in the story, then just like, oh, wait. <laughs> but no, no, I'm it's curious fine, yeah. to find out who are you now without those things? What does life look like? Um. Yeah, well, yeah, that was a tough thing, thinking about who am I now? But I think we have to, a thing that I did was I started thinking about who I was before all this. So before I became obsessed with like exercise and food uh what were the things that I love doing and I was thinking okay I've always enjoyed learning learning new things learning new skills so I decided okay I'm going to learn new stuff I have so much time left now that I'm not exercising like a crazy person uh so Mm -hmm. I've started practicing my French learning French um I've also started to trying to be more spontaneous because I think that's a big part of who who I am but I lost it during this entire journey and I think a lot of people who have AJ might lose their spontaneity as well uh because being as obsessed with foods and exercise demands planning um so I think that's another thing I just thought how can I be more spontaneous? Just go with a friend for a drink now because why not? I mean, we can do it. We can, there's nothing stopping right. us from just, yeah. Living yeah, your life. So I think you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and another thing that helped me a lot was thinking of an end goal through all of this. So 
what I would always think is um, I want to start a family one day and I'm not trying to do so right now, but I want to think that if in a couple of years it's something that I want, that I'm able to try and to have a family. So I would hold on to that and I would think what it's more important to you in your life, in like the long term, in the long journey. Is it more mm. important that you create a family because it's something that you've always wanted as a kid and it's something that you've always imagined yourself to be growing up like a mom, a grandma, whatever? Or is it to be seen by other people as super fit and super skinny and super healthy? And that's what I would think most of days. And what I would think as well is people around you, they might see you as something, someone who is like, um, very good at exercising, very good with her food, very healthy. But if you ask your friends or family to tell you what they prefer about you or what they like about you, I bet no one would say that. No one. They would say that they like you because you're spontaneous or because you're always there or because you tell the best stories or because you cook for them. So those are the things that people around you appreciate yeah. and yeah, not really your obsession with everything else. Yeah. They don't, they don't care about your abs. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, they don't. Yeah. It, exactly. How many funerals have you heard of where the eulogy is about how ripped you were and how, you know, that's not what we like, as much as it is sadly something that society appears to be valuing, it's not right. Like it's not real. It's not right. And to follow that and chase that and allow yourself to like, like put this huge halt on your life and the pot, the potential impact you actually can have on others, even if it's just your friends and family is like such an awful disservice and it makes, I mean, that's a total side tangent, so I'm just going to stop, but I love it. Yeah. I love everything you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And another thing that I thought as well is um, when I started reading more about HA and also the negative impacts that it has long term, that also started mm -hmm. scaring me a lot, like low bone density, things like that. I was like really, really scared. And I thought the problem is this is not with AJ. It's not only like short term. I'm not having a period. I can't get pregnant now if I want to. It's not only this. It's also in the long term. It's something that could damage our health for the years to come. And honestly, it's not worth it. Um, it's not to be this obsessed with food and with our bodies if because it's counterintuitive right we do this so we start on this journey the people that have ha because they're obsessed with food and exercise we start this because we want to be our healthiest version possible but then we go to a point 
where we start damaging our health. And I think this was something that really changed, my perspective really changed as well after this journey. So it's all about the balance. And it's something that we hear, everyone hears this growing up, life is all about balance. And it is about balance. And when we try to push things to extreme, um, yeah, we end up just hurting ourselves. Yeah. Ah, you. I feel like you're in my head. I feel <laughs> like I've had all these exact thoughts. Um, yeah. Like the, the balance thing, like people are afraid of balance. I almost feel like, you know, we, we've heard people be like, it's about balance. And in our head, we're just like, balance is for the weak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, you know, I, you can have your balance. Like balance is just an excuse uh, or, you know, just all of this like rubbish. And when you get, when you find yourself in a place of balance, it's like being, I know it's like being in a resort of life. Yeah. Like, this is so relaxing and so fun and so nice and I can I can do this and I can do that and I feel good most of the time um and you're like I didn't know balance was so good like people don't hype I don't know but balance isn't getting the right amount of hype yeah it's not it's perfect but yeah but it's difficult to get there because one thing that happened for me as well was that I didn't value rest at all so it's exactly what you're saying is like yeah other people can rest but for me I don't really need it I can do everything I don't need to rest I can just exercise every day and sleep always like these same amount of hours they're like the minimum to get me like working functionally and then I can just hustle at work and have my social life on the side and everything will work out great and it took me a long time I'm still struggling with that at the moment of like learning to rest. I would not right. spend an afternoon in the sofa on the weekends because that for me is kind of a, a waste of time. I can do so much yeah. on a weekend. I can like be with friends. I can do this activity. I can visit this. I can visit that. And it, it took me a long time to understand how rest is important. Yeah. I feel like we saw that too, um, even in your chart when we would, you know, just the difference between like a stressful time at work or a lot of travel um, versus like you being yeah. on vacation, there's a big difference. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you so in this masterclass i'm going to provide you a lot of things including a lot of case studies mine ashley's and mishi's as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it and we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of ha so everything from primary amenorrhea 
and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Yeah. And yeah, just circling back to my history, because now I remember that you said in the beginning mm -hmm. that I had a period and I lost it. So I think that might be yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. to Where someone. Did that yeah. Yeah, because uh there might be more people in this situation. So what happened uh was that I started on my own following all the recovery tips i increased weight and then eventually i got like a micro tiny period in january this year and then february i had like a full normal period so i immediately thought that's it i've cracked the code perfect i have a period now so now slowly i can go back into my old life uh so i started doing exercise even though it was like moderate I was doing like 30 minute sessions twice a week and I was not doing it fasted but what I didn't realize at the time is that journeys uh, recovery is a long journey uh, I was still very fragile at that point but I just thought at the time that if I have a period means that everything's fine so I got that period in February and then with the incorporation of exercise of obviously I lost it again so then two months passed still no periods um so I continued um reading about it uh and that's how I found the AHA Society through your podcast uh so then from then on with you Danny we started working together and even after that, it took me a while. So it took me a couple of months after we've been together to get my period back. Um, and I had to do lots and lots of changes compared to where I was back in February. Um, so it is a long process. So for the people who are recovering, we need to be patient. This takes time. Uh, but it will eventually pay off not rushing into things because if we rush into things, we will be in this on and off 
cycle, uh, which is also not healthy for our mental health because we will be stressing all the time as I was. I was always like, am I getting a period now? Am I getting a period now? Uh, and I was constantly thinking about it. I would wake up thinking about it. I would go to sleep thinking about it, uh, which is not healthy. So I think it's better to stop resets, have help and solve this in the long term so that then we don't have to be constantly obsessed about it because at that point we'll know if we are doing the right things or not and what are the changes that we need to do if things are not working well that cycle hmm. you're referring to kind of like having the like the bi-weekly point of reference to like come in and review yeah yeah 100 percent instead of like every single day waking up, maybe I should try this. Let me Google one more thing, you know, like, no, I can do that in two weeks. Like, let's just see if what I'm doing right now is working. Um, And it's still like, it's hard to not focus on it all the time, but at least like you can swat the thoughts away a little easier. Um, yeah. Cause you're focused. Yeah. And it did, it did take you a, a bit, but you know, I think that like people, people are, natural humans of this earth and and just like the ground you know how sometimes ground is like soft and you can just start digging and you just dig a hole and other times the ground is very hard and compact and takes a little while <laughs> to like break the surface to be able to start yeah. digging and uh i people are like in either category sometimes or sometimes they're right they're somewhere in the middle right where it's like tough but diggable um and you know you're you're tough but diggable right like there was still, you know, some control factors in terms of like food and preferences. And, um, you know, just when you go so long eating one way, it yeah. sometimes you're just like, what do you mean I could eat more? Like, it's just not even on my radar kind of thing. And it just takes a while to, yeah, like get to this, the next layer of like what's necessary. And because your cycles were not too bad, right? Like there's just like a few things here or there to dial in. And with the menstrual cycle, like once you had gotten it back, um, you have to wait a month <laughs> to see what happens with this one, <laughs> with this exactly. one. And then, so it's just, yeah, it's just like a patience thing. And a, like a lot of people need to, I think the initial push right? Where you're learning all about it and you're really interested and you're thinking all about it and you're reading about it is super important, but you have to get to a point eventually where you have found a way for this to be a priority, but also run in the background. Yeah. You know, um, and that can be hard to do, but I feel like you do that really well. Well, do you feel like you do that well? Thank you. I feel like I do now really well. Now I feel like I'm on top of everything um and I know all the factors and I know all the right things that I need to do and that I can um read myself as I go through and understand when do I need to rest which days I'm feeling particularly hungry and I need to eat a bit more but it was very difficult in the beginning because I think I've restricted myself to eat so little that I think all my um, all my food kind of uh, markets or sirens were asleep. So I would never feel like particularly hungry. 
And that was very difficult because I would have to uh, force myself to eat a lot, even when I didn't feel like it and I didn't feel like I needed it. Uh, but yeah, I think it takes a while for the body to adjust as it did in the past, because I remember um, when I was like super obsessed with food and eating less, I remember uh, going to bed, going to sleep, uh, starving, like hungry because I had so little at dinner because I would literally have a vegetable soup for dinner. Mm. And I remember going to bed and feeling hungry. And then I remember thinking, oh, it's nothing. I mean, just fall asleep tomorrow. You'll be fine. You'll eat breakfast. But then I remember that eventually I stopped feeling hungry and I would just eat very small and I would feel fine. So we have to think that the body adjusts, um, yeah, for the good and for the bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's a really common um, thing where people are like, Hey, that's a common question. I'll get, Hey, I'm not hungry. Do you think I should still eat? Yeah. Eat. I know it's, it's hard, but eat. yeah, wait, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. But when you think about it that way too, like, well, there was a time where you were more than happy to ignore your hunger signals. When you yeah. were hungry, you were happy to ignore that. But now your body is saying I'm full, but you don't want it. Like, you know, you, yeah. we, we just, you would rather listen to that. I want to listen to that and not eat like, oh, <laughs> well, you've adapted at this point. Your body has adapted. Yeah. And now if you want to, if you want to adapt again out of it, you need to force an adaptation. Just like you forced yourself to stop having hunger signals, you now need to force your way into having hunger signals. And interestingly, one is more scary than the other. But exactly. Yeah, that's the thing because they're both the same, but we are very scared of one of them because it will make us gain weight and be fat while the other one will make us skinny. So that is, yeah, what we need to deconstruct in our minds because we are doing the same thing, but in reverse, basically. And it is for our health and for our long goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So you, do we feel like, do we feel like we kind of covered how you had lost your cycle again and then you got it back? again the second time um so what was what was mostly different about the second time than the first time do you think um what was more different was that I had to eat even more so that was very difficult um I think it was different as well in terms of um, feelings of guilt. I think I felt that more um, the second time around when I was working with you and uh, trying to to get my period back. In the beginning, mm -hmm. I would feel so sad and guilty that I kind of did to myself this because I I would always think like, Bia, you're like a smart person. Why would you do this to yourself and like? starve yourself and put yourself through these extreme exercise and damage your health you should know better 
uh, you should have listened to your parents back then when they thought that you were not okay. So this is very similar to kind of the grief sentiment that you have to grieve for the person that you were. You kind of feel guilty that you put yourself through this. So that was very difficult uh, for me because I kind of felt like I disappointed myself. Um, but then the thing that I did that helped was to share this with my friends and family, which I didn't do a lot the first time around uh, because it was very difficult for me to speak about it. Um, it's something that is very personal for everyone. It's very intimate. It's not easy to talk about this. Um, and then the second time around, I just decided that I was going to share this uh, with my friends and bring them on the journey with me. And I was always very lucky to have my partner supporting through the whole time. But unfortunately, it's not enough because then around you, you have your friends or your colleagues talking about exercise, talking about food, talking about what they're doing at the gym, and inside of you, you're like, oh, I can't exercise. Yeah. You don't know how lucky you are. So please stop talking about exercising. Um, so it's easy if you have friends that you can trust, because then you can just even vent. You can just even message your best friend and just saying like, oh, there's a girl that won't shut up about the gym. Please stop it. I wish I could exercise. So she doesn't know how lucky she is. Uh, so that is something or they're saying or they're saying something that you now know is like deeply problematic as well exactly and you're exactly. just like oh you're like not even the whole like you're lucky piece it's more just like oh <laughs> like 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 it's absurd like the way that see if you were to see someone smoking a cigarette indoors today you would be like that's absurd right but yeah. once upon a time it was just like normal and now if you it, it feels like you're seeing someone smoking inside when you hear them saying some of the things that they're saying and it's exactly. just like nothing you could do about it <laughs> yeah now when I hear like a friend or a colleague who went to exercise in the morning fasted and she only eats then at like 11 or 12 like lunchtime I'm like red flag don't do that please I know red flag you're like yeah. so tell me tell me about like your symptoms <laughs> how's your digestion like how's your, you know you just want to know but you like you won't get through your day if, if you stop and worry about everyone else oh that's another thing it just reminded me when you talk about digestion mm. so this is going way back but that's another symptom so before when I was during, uh, during HA, I had a lot of digestive issues, but like a lot, uh, both in my stomach, but also like, uh, congestion, gut issues, lots of gut issues. I would get bloated. Like I was six months pregnant and I would never get to the root of that. I just thought I have probably IBS or something like that. And then once I've started eating more and on my recovery journey, in the beginning, I also suffered with like gut issues, but I think it's normal in the first weeks because you are eating so much more. It takes a while for your body to adjust. But 
now that I'm recovered, it's like they're magically gone. I only get like super bloated and with a lot of issues when I have like, I don't know, maybe like once a month when you eat like a bunch of, I don't know, pizza and alcohol and things like that. But that's normal. While before it was like every two, three days. 100%. Like I I found even before I ever had HA and before I was doing, before I even went down like an obsessive health path, um, I I thought it was just me, but I would get like kind of like gassy, just sharp pains when I ate like pizza or pasta or something like that, you know, because I just had like the standard diet kind of thing. Then I went into like my health journey and those things went away because I was eating less of those. But then I developed like, you know, these new health issues like amenorrhea, just like low estrogen, dry skin, moodiness, yada, yada. Um, And I think that my like my digestion clean cleared up. And so I was so focused on that, you know, like that's a good thing. Um, but then you start reintroducing more food and you realize like how over time without noticing you were normalizing these digestive symptoms because while they were different to prior and you had fixed some issues, I mean, at the end of the day, it was, that was just because eating a lot of pizza is going to give you gas. <laughs> like you didn't have a problem. Yeah. Like, that's just what's going to happen. But now you've taken it so far that, yeah, like you are bloating to six months pregnancy, you know, from like one little thing. Yeah. What, you know, it's just not right. And uh, we should have balance comes back into play right like when we have balance we don't have extremes like these extreme symptoms happen and it is easy to forget about them when you retell your story as well because like sort of you're not thinking about it anymore (laughs) like you're just past that exactly yeah yeah it's really nice it's something that yeah took a lot of my time and energy thinking about what's causing this bloaty bloating. I would just write the foods that I thought that would making me mm. bloated. And but as it was you the said, under now, eating the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. But I didn't know it at the time. I thought like, why? I just, I only had an orange and I'm like, so bloated. This is not normal, but Yeah. And as you said, it's something that it's easy to forget. And I forgot about it, telling my symptoms and story because, yeah, now I feel so great. I don't feel I have these issues. It's like they were gone. You just forget about it. Yeah. It's just like, so that's like a side thing. I don't know if this ever came up for you, but um, a lot of people will be very hesitant to reintroduce things that they've removed because it helps them with their symptoms, right? Symptom management that's symptom management right so like i i don't want to you know and and to many degrees this is true for people like some people are lactose or some people do react to gluten but for a lot of people it's like well you can continue avoiding those things to manage symptoms or we can work our way out of them so that you can eat those things again you know which is it going to be um, but we don't realize, like, we think we're removing it and that's the problem, but actually you've just developed a sensitivity or an intolerance. And so often that is synonymous with HA, like very few people. I actually didn't really have any major 
gut issues. I don't know how. I certainly was overeating diet foods to the point where I was just like bloated and had gas all the time. But that was because I was eating like obsessive amounts of 0% yogurt and like rice cakes or something like that, you know? But uh, that's it's incredible. Like the things that will... Yeah, the things that we put us through. Yeah, eating (laughs) rice cakes. I'm like, I would never eat a rice cake now. It's so bland. (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. Uh, But that's just like food fear, right? Okay, I love this. So many good things here. All right. Anything else that you forgot that you've randomly remembered? Uh, No, don't, no, don't think so. Okay. Okay, okay. So at at the moment, how many cycles in are you from sort of your last amenorrhea? This would be number seven, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I need to check, but I think it would be cycle number seven. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. Or like you're kind of working to complete number six. Um. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So happy. I see that. Like you ovulate. 29 day cycle um working on that luteal phase but aren't we all but it looks pretty good your last day was 10 i mean so good so now right so when we met one of your goals was like i want to yes i want to get my period back but i also want to be able to like get back to my real life and like work out again and not have it just disappear so easily so I feel like a good place to, cause I, I feel like I've accidentally gotten away sometimes in recovery stories. Um, I like hearing people's stories, but I've accidentally forgotten to really hone in on like, well, what has worked for you? Well, what do you need to do going forward to like sustain a menstrual cycle? And while I think the question has been answered in general, based on like, this this whole episode if you had to sum it up like what are the key things for you that you need to do um well I think one key thing that took me I think this was the one that took me the most time to understand is rest Mm. um so I understood that I need to rest a lot more than I thought that I needed. I need to manage my stress. I need to go to bed early to honor my sleep. I need to learn to read myself and understand, okay, today I'm feeling a bit more tired than usual. So I'm just going to chill. I'm not going to do this extra activity or blah, blah, blah that I thought. So that is one thing that worked for me. Uh, The second thing is obviously eating more and not being afraid of food, not only food in terms of quantity, but also in terms of different types of food. So I would just before I would avoid dairy, I wouldn't eat dairy, Um, I wouldn't eat meat. I would very rarely eat fish. And now I eat most of these things, um, which I thought some of them would cause me like gut issues. And now I eat them and I'm fine. Um, 
So it's like simplifying my relationship with food and not being afraid of uh, certain foods as I was before. Mm. Um, and then I think also the third thing that worked for me is that now that I've started incorporating exercise, which I'm very happy about, um, I've just reframed my relationship with exercise. So even the way I think about it now is it, different. Now what I think when I exercise now, I never do it fasted. And what I think is, what am I feeling on doing right now? Do I think like doing this class will be fun or just doing this video of like lower body workouts and something with weights? While before it was very based on, I need to do this amount of time of exercise and I need to train these muscles. While now I just think that it's such a privilege that I can exercise and move my body today, that I'm just going to honor it and doing something that that's fun. Mm. It is a privilege. It is. That, yeah. that like people abuse that's legit i love that okay well visuals and anything else like anything else you haven't told yet uh check your outline um yeah uh no i don't think there's anything else i would just say i think the best piece of the advice is think like long term what do, what is your long term goal is it to have a family? Is it to be healthy in the long term, to live a healthy life with healthy bones, with a good relationship with food, enjoying dinner out with your friends and hold on to that because it will be very difficult to journey. But if you think about that long-term goal, you will be reminded of why you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah, keep the goal in mind when like, what you're worried about today right now is like taking over your mind yeah exactly so good so good thank you so much for coming on sharing thank your story you. this was great i love this episode i'm sure a lot of people resonate with like all of the different situations you've been in and i'm sure that this was so helpful so thank you for putting back into the community of women out there sharing their stories um because i'm sure that their stories helped you at one point too yeah yeah they absolutely did thank you thank you so much yeah all right guys see you guys next week have a good one hey there it's me danny and i want to tell you about temp drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option so many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are. And that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. 
And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period, and if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is of course dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there but i may even recommend it for just everyone in general get your husbands on it get your partners on it if you have a history of ha and add on top of that maybe a history of the pill maybe you've been pregnant before you know through treatments or other like you've just your body's been through anything you know you're absolutely 100 percent dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my 
favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.